Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we begin our series, as we continue our series in the book of Genesis. The series is entitled Beginnings, and our message this morning is entitled, Is It Sunday Yet? And the text is Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Have you ever had the kind of day that is so wonderful that you're thinking to yourself during that day, I wish this day would never end? What was that day like for you? Or, if you've never had a day like that, and you would wish for a day like that, what would that day be like for you? Now, I've had a few of those days in my life. Like many of you, my wedding day would be a day like that. As well as the day of the birth of my children and my grandchildren. Those were days filled with joy. Filled with a, with a fulfillment and just a satisfaction that I never wanted to end. And there have been other days like that. Days filled with worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Days of academic or career accomplishments or milestones. Days at the beach with friends and family, with a gentle Caribbean breeze blowing, and the waves just gently lapping up on the shore, and my kids and now my grandkids playing all around me, with that breeze carrying the delicious smell of grilled beef, a nice refreshing drink in my hand. Those days normally end with talking and sharing and and oftentimes worshiping God and simply thanking Him as I look at the stars that are emerging over that beach and over that ocean and thanking Him for His good creation and for the good friends and the wonderful family that He's given me. Every one of those days are simply a reflection looking backward at the seventh day of creation. That first great Sunday when our sovereign God rested after having created the heavens and the earth. So let's read about that first Sunday, shall we? That we might understand its meaning. Its meaning for us today as we gather on Sunday. But also as we can understand why we have these longings for these kinds of days. They were birthed on that first Sunday. That seventh day of creation. Those longings for rest and relaxation. So let's read. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Is it Sunday yet? The answer is yes. It is Sunday and it has been Sunday since the seventh day of creation. I want you to note the threefold mention of the word seventh day in these verses. They speak of God completing his creation work, a work begun on the first day. And they point to God completing his new creation work in us. 
dear Christian. And if you're here this morning and are not a Christian, here's my appeal to you. That God would speak to you about this new creation work and that God would open your eyes to this new creation work because what God does is He gives us the new creation in Christ that we might worship Him as He so richly deserves, that we might delight in God. Here's the summary statement for our sermon this morning. On the screen, God completed His creation in six days and will complete our new creation in Christ. God completed His creation in six days. And will complete our, dear Christian, new creation in Christ. Point one, God completed his creation. I want you to look at verses, at verse one of chapter two, and then I want you to look back at verses one and two of chapter one, because they're united. Genesis two, one to three completes what was begun in Genesis one, one. Look at Genesis 2, 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Well, look at Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you see the similarity there between these two texts? They're they're bookends on what God began. Here is what they are saying. God took the unformed world... You see that in verse 2 of Genesis 1-1? The earth was without form, and he gave it form. Remember Corey's message? He formed the earth. Brought the land out of the sea. There was tumult. There was darkness. The Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and brought forth the land and put vegetation and animals and everything we need. He formed the world, and then he filled the world. Look at verse 2 of chapter 1. The earth was without form and void, and God filled that void with his creation. And the crown of that creation is mankind. Now back to chapter 2. And when he was done doing that, he rested. He rested. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. Now, this rest is not temporary. It's ongoing. It's an abiding condition. Well, what do you mean by that, Al? Well, Take a look carefully at what God says at the end of each of the first six days. Look with me back at chapter 1, verse 5b. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Chapter 1, verse 8b. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Chapter 1, verse 13. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Chapter 1, verse 19, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Chapter 1, verse 23, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And chapter 1, verse 31b, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. But you will not find those words at the end of the seventh day. Because the seventh day continues. Is it Sunday yet? Oh yeah. It began on the seventh day and it continues for all eternity. The Sabbath rest of God, that word rest that you see in verse 2 comes from the Hebrew word, the, the root word, Shabbat. We get our English word Sabbath from that word. And that word Shabbat has a broad range of meaning. It can mean several different things. Here it's translated rest, but it can also mean to cease or to end or to desist, to, to end what you're doing, to finish what you're doing. And that's really what it means here. Because it's very important to note that God did not rest because he was tired. 
God is not like us. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need to rest. He does not get tired. He didn't rest because he was tired. Well, then why did he rest, Al? Well, let me just say this before I go to that definition. Nor does rest here mean that God went on vacation. Hey, I finished everything at the office. It's all good. I'm going to go on vacation. No. No, God doesn't need a vacation. I need a vacation. You need a vacation. God does not need a vacation. God is the vacation. Now, God rested in here. This is very important. God rested because he is Lord of all. He is sovereign over all. He is indisputable. He is reigning and he rests in that. No one can oppose him. He's God. He's the all-powerful. He's enthroned for all eternity. It is a rest that says there is none like me. There is none who can oppose me. I rest. This is exactly what he says in the prophet Isaiah. Continuing to read from Isaiah 46. Now, verses 8 to 10 on the screen. God speaking, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I complete what I begin. And I complete what I begin in creation and I will complete what I begin in new creation in you, dear Christian. See, you got to ask yourself, who wrote this? Well, God ultimately, but what human author wrote the, these words? Moses. And when did he write it? About 1400 BC. And to whom was he writing it? To God's people who were poised on the edge of the promised land and poised on the edge of about to go in to take this promised land and bring God's people so ultimately the man of God would be born, the savior of all the world, the Messiah. And they knew that that promised land was in a sense void, without form, chaotic, filled with giants, filled with darkened people in the sense of their understanding toward God, people that would not be serving God, who would want to kill them. And as they're poised there, ready to go in, God says... I complete what I begin. I called you here. I subdued the dark and the chaos when my spirit was hovering over the waters and I will subdue these people. You can trust me. I know, Christian, you and I need that message today because we are the brothers and sisters of the true people of God in the desert. We are those who have been called by God and been given a new creation. We have a promised land. Oh yes, the new heavens and the new earth that God promises us. And God is saying to us these same words, be assured that in Christ, by my spirit, the same spirit that hovered over those dark waters at creation, the same spirit that brought habitability and life and brought form and and filled the void, that spirit, my spirit is here to fill your void, to bring form and order to your chaotic lives, and I will complete the new creation. I began in you, church. We have His Holy Spirit. By His grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by Christ's perfect, redemptive work for us. Listen, unbeliever, Jesus came as a perfect man and never sinned. Jesus then went on the cross, and His visage, His face, His body was marred, was horribly disfigured like we are spiritually marred and disfigured as the image of God. And then his soul was marred. All of our sin was put on him and the perfect one was stained with our sin. 
then he said, it is finished. And at that moment, our recreation was assured. And then he rested for three days. Then he rose from the dead by the power of God, by the spirit of God. And he ascended into heaven 40 days later. And he rules and reigns right now in heaven. That's why we're gathered here to worship him. And he promises one day to return and complete the recreation he began in you to bring life and order and light to your dark and disordered life. That's what God is speaking to us today. Here it is. Here we see the picture of God as creator and God as redeemer. God as creator, God as redeemer. And for that reason, he rests. Look at verse 3 again. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. Our sovereign God, our sovereign creator, and our sovereign redeemer. Remember to whom it's being written. Those who have been redeemed out of darkness, out of the slavery of Egypt. Those who are going into the promised land. It's written to us, dear Christian brother and sister. Our sovereign God, by his spirit, brought forth this perfectly ordered world and creation. And he brings forth his perfectly ordered world and our recreation in Christ. One day we will be like him. We will see him as he is. And we're on that journey now. And that journey is assured. And therefore he says, set aside this day to worship me. This day is a holy day. That word holy just simply means set aside. It's a special day. It's a day that we set aside to worship our God, our creator, our redeemer with God's people. And it's a day we devote to him and to have fellowship with his people. See, God calls us to celebrate his sovereignty and creation and redemption. Well, well, Al, where do you get this creation-redemption thing? I get the creation part because we're talking about creation, but how about the redemption part? All right, so let's go to another one of Moses' writings. Still written around 1400 B.C. Moses wrote five books under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They're called the Pentateuch. He wrote them to Israel as they were going in the Promised Land. In the next book, after Genesis and Exodus, Moses gives us the Ten Commandments by revelation from God. Note how he crafts the commandment to keep the Sabbath. Look with me on the screen. These twin themes of God as creator, God as redeemer. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. By the way, I'm reading the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Here's the why, verse 11. You ready? Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Here we see God as creator. We rest because he's our sovereign creator and he rested and we set this day aside as holy. We enter into the rhythm of life that God commands and tells us to. All right, so I got it. So we we celebrate the Sabbath because we are celebrating and worshiping God as creator. But what about the redeemer part? All right, let's look at the second time Moses writes for us the fourth commandment. It's in Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy, the second law. No, the law given again. Deuteronomy, that's what that means. Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 15. On the screen. 
Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. It's the same as what he said in Exodus 20. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, on the, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates, that your male and male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Now, verse 15 is the why. Is it going to be the exact same why because of creation, because God created the earth in six days? Well, let's look. Verse 15, Deuteronomy 5. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Here is God as Redeemer. Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. Israel is God's people in the wilderness. And just like we've been delivered from slavery to this world and from slavery to Satan, sin and death, and Jesus is our Savior as Moses was a picture of the Christ. So he's saying to them, the reason you celebrate the sabbath is you're celebrating god as your sovereign redeemer that's why we gather that's why this day is devoted to worship of god and to fellowship with his people well what does it mean to worship god what what are you talking about al oh is that that thing we do for four songs at the beginning of the service yes but it's more it's not less than that but it's more than that, right? We're all guilty of that. Hey, when are we going to worship? Hey, what's, how many songs are we going to sing for worship? Hey, is it time to worship? After the sermon, we're going to worship. No. No, no. In fact, the biggest one is, who's our worship leader? Now, we know it's not Al, because if it were Al, he'd be singing from the top of his head right now as I'm standing by the mic. Actually, I am the worship leader. The elder who has the responsibility of leading the service is the worship leader because everything we do today is worship. No time to get into this, but a great book to read is a book called Worship Matters by my friend Bob Coughlin. does a great job teasing this out, pages 205 and on. While it's true that we're called to worship in every area of our life, I got that, that is true, but that's not what this text is talking about right now. Romans 12 says that your life should be a a worship to God. But it's also true God calls us to a particular day of worship to separate ourselves from the normal day's works and to make it holy and to worship God. What does that mean? Well, the entire service is worship. All of this is worship. Throughout Scripture, you rarely see worship defined as singing. It's many things. Actually, rarely it's singing, but it, it, it does include singing. But it also includes giving. Do you understand that we worship by giving? That's why we spend a long time talking about giving. That's why we have exhortations. Not because we're trying to get your money. Listen, it's God's money anyway. We're just trying to make you aware that when you worship God, you know how? When you write that check, or as I do, I tell my bank, send it every month on this day. Because I have a bad memory. But worship is also serving it's, it's passing out the flowers by, by the McDaniel family. It's serving in the children's ministry right now as they're hearing the gospel in a way that they can understand. And for the parent that wants to have their kid right next to you, praise God, have them right next to you. But however, we're, we're, we're hearing teaching. Worship is you being encouraged by me teaching right now. It's you grabbing someone in the hallway and saying, how you doing? Can I pray for you? 
This is all worship. But there's something special about gathering as God's people on this day. And I, and I, I encourage you, church, make it a priority. It is about the seventh day. It is about God's creation. It is about our sovereign creator, our sovereign redeemer, and our call to worship him. Yes, in life, but worship him on this day, on Sunday. See, today is just a foreshadowing of that great Sunday when Jesus comes back and will be perfected. And you'll have all your children seated next to you. And all your desires the desire for financial stability, the desire for peace and well-being, the, the, the thoughts that are racing through your head about that meeting you had last week that didn't go so well, those will be gone. It'll be perfect. The image restored. Today is us as Christians saying, our God will complete what he began. So I come and worship him today. That's what worship is all about. That is what worship is all about. Here is the question for you. Here's the question. Are you living in the truth that just as God completed creation in six days, so he will complete your new creation in Christ? Point two, God will complete his new creation in us. We keep the Sabbath because we worship our great Redeemer. As it says in Deuteronomy, remember church, remember Al, as you roll out of bed on Sunday morning, that you were a slave to sin, Satan, death. You were hopeless. You were an orphan. You had nothing. And I chose you. And I saved you. And I brought you out by my great hand, my outstretched hand, the hands of Christ nailed to a cross. And I've given you a new creation. So worship. And I will complete it. We see that in the New Testament. The apostles, all of whom were Jewish, They understood Genesis 2, 1 to 3. And they understood that Jesus fulfilled it. He is the Sabbath rest of God. That's why Paul in Philippians 1, 6 wrote these words. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. That seventh day pointed to the day of Christ. Here's the fulfillment. Here's God, our Redeemer. And He will fulfill and complete the new creation that He began in you. Look at Hebrews 4 with me on the screen. Verses 9 and 10. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from His works as God did from his. The author of Hebrews is referencing Genesis 2, 1 to 3. See, the truth of Hebrews 4, 9 to 10, the the Sabbath truth, the reason we gather together, the reason we don't work on Sunday, the reason we worship on Sunday, the reason we make it a prior to be with God's people on Sunday, to encourage one another, the reason we do all of that, what Hebrews 4 says is that for our weary, broken souls, that image of God that has been so marred, stained by sin and now redeemed and made right by Christ and the new creation is that we rest in Christ's works, not ours. We rest in Christ's righteousness, not ours. We rest in Christ's sovereign will, 
not ours. And we do so by grace. We do so by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, because of God's mercy and for his glory alone. Further down in Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That's just the gospel. Our confession is the gospel. It's the word of God. It's believing that God completed creation and he will complete our new creation. It's the gospel. Hold fast the gospel. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, here's the call. We draw near. We draw near based on Christ's work. We draw near based on Christ's righteousness. We draw near together. We set aside this day to draw near. This afternoon, we have a meal together. We draw near. Tonight, we draw near. We, we set aside the normal things of life and the rhythms that we normally do. And we say, I'm going to obey you, God. I'm going to worship you, God, for you created me. And I'm going to follow your creation. I'm made in your image. I'm going to image you by taking this day. And I do it in faith because you're my redeemer. And Jesus makes it a throne of grace. It should be a throne of judgment. It should be a really a throne of fear and a throne of, that's it, I'm guilty. But it's been transformed into a throne of grace because of Christ, because of the new creation that he has given us by his body and blood and death and resurrection and ascension. Praise be to God. Are you weary, my friend? then I invite you into the Sabbath rest of Christ. For all those who have been born again, new creations in Christ, for you, it is finished, applies. Your new creation is going to be completed because God keeps his promises. And if you've not been born again, if you're not a new creation, oh friend, I beg you right now, bow your knee, you have enough information And I pray the Spirit of God now give you conviction and open your eyes and by mercy and grace, by God's sovereignty, He would just touch your heart. He would slay your heart right now. And you would repent and believe in Jesus. In a moment, we're going to pray and then worship. And I pray that you would would respond to God. You would profess Him as Lord. If you came with a friend, you talk to them. If you didn't, you come and talk to me. I I want to talk with you. But this is God's call on you. Listen, listen, your call to worship is your conversion. Christian, We do call the worships, calls to worship, and that's okay. But if you think about it, the ultimate call to worship is the day you're converted. I worship you, God. You're my creator. You're my redeemer. For you, unbeliever, I pray that day would be today. I pray you'd hear the call to worship today. God would enable you to respond. And if you are a new creation in Christ, then I appeal for you to rest in him by remembering that there's a perfect day coming. Remember that perfect day we talked about at the beginning of the sermon? I don't know what it was for you, but that day is merely a foreshadowing. That day is a foreshadowing of the day, that great Sunday when Christ returns, a day that will never end. This is the day when all of our troubles and our trials and our temptations and our tears will end. 
This is the day when we will see Jesus as he is. And the finishing touches to our restoration as image bearers of God will occur. We will be like him. This is the day that we will rule and reign as we were originally designed to do under the authority of our ruling and reigning Lord Jesus Christ over his new heavens and his new earth. My day won't ever end on the beach with you. Remember, rest isn't vacation, so we're working. But it's work that's a joy as we are ruling his creation, his new creation, as his new creation, under his authority. Oh, what a day that will be. When we gather, every Sunday that we gather, we are saying, we believe that day is coming, we celebrate that day coming, we anticipate that day coming, we take a break from our sorrows and our loneliness and our fears, and we say, today, we're going to worship you, God, as if that day were here, knowing it's not yet here, but we have the promise of it being here, because Jesus is Lord, and the Spirit gives us that promise. That's why we gather, church. That's why I can't wait for Sunday. Is it Sunday yet? Mom and Dad, is it Sunday yet? Do we get to go to worship? Do we get to go celebrate this thing that we know? Yes, we're worshiping all week, but there's that time that God calls us to to worship together and encourage one another together. There's this public glory session. I mean, they could play the Super Bowl in the dark with no TV cameras, and if you win the Super Bowl, you get a trophy. But the glory is in the millions and millions and millions that are watching. Glory is it's on TV. The glory is that it's public. Friends, we are to gather publicly every Sunday, get a vision for that, to bring glory to God. Not us, God. And I'm going to be there, bringing glory to God. Because I anticipate that day. I want that day. Because today can hurt a little bit. Especially when it's your first Mother's Day without your mom. Or you've got a disease in your body that you don't quite know what it is and the doctors aren't giving you very good news. Probably about two weeks ago in our community group, one of our members was sharing. We were talking about suffering in the context of God's glory. And this community group member said this. She says, you know what, guys? When I worship in song, when I fellowship, particularly worshiping in song, with God's people, I don't feel the pain of my disease. And it's a debilitating, scary disease. For just a few minutes, I feel the glories of God. And it's as if that pain just escapes my body. And I feel, I feel grace. You see, what she's sensing is a foretaste of what she will live for all eternity. No more pain. No more death. No more tears. It's what all of us will experience as Christians, as those who love His appearing. Is it Sunday yet? Yes, it is. Let us worship our sovereign God on this, His holy day. Pray with me. Worship team, would you join me? Father, I pray that we would worship You now as our Creator, as our Redeemer. Lord, this commandment is not burdensome, but it is an invitation to turn on the video reel, to log on to that website, to look at that DVD that is showing us what is ours by faith. 
that we haven't fully experienced. We've had a foretaste of it. We've had a down payment of it. Your spirit has assured our hearts of it, but we're seeing a lot of things that aren't going to be there on that day. So when we gather together, we worship you by faith. We say, yes, God, sovereign creator. Yes, God, sovereign redeemer. And with God's people, we say glory, glory, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. Lord, as we sing that song in just a moment, what is called the Revelation Song. I pray that you would build our faith to see with eyes that are not of the flesh, eyes of the Spirit, what it is that is ours. We're poised at the edge of that land. We've got the promise. We have the Savior. We have the Spirit. Lord, help us. We need mercy. Lord, we come to your throne of grace, broken, struggling at times. Or we come to your throne of grace thinking we're doing great. Lord, we come to your throne of grace and we we want to find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And you delight to give it to your people. So as we sing now, Lord, may this song be pleasing to your ears as we sing it to you, our sovereign creator and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand and let us sing holy Holy.